0: Thanks. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Rice, for giving me the opportunity to preach. I'm very grateful to be here. Uh, My wife, Autumn, and I are very excited to be here as well. Um, And you were mentioning just like the influence that, you know, that this church has. You know, I didn't even put that connection together, but Brother Roger had a significant impact in my life. He was a very strong influence, so much so that I even asked him to be the one to marry Autumn and I, so he was actually uh, kind of half officiant, because Autumn's pastor was the other half, but he was, um, I think he was there for the vows, but he did the first half of the service, and her pastor did the second half, but Brother Roger is, and there's many others that could give that uh, account as well, Um, but uh, uh, I just, yeah, I want to thank you for being so hospitable and having us here, Uh, we're very excited to be here, this is, not my first time in Ohio. My uh, mother's family actually lives in Lakewood, Cleveland area, so I used to vacation there a lot. But this is Autumn's first time in Ohio, and I got to tell her, I was like, you can't believe how green it is, it's amazing, all these different things. But uh, right now we're in Dallas, Texas, actually working at a church down there. And um, we are, you know, working in the kids church there and able to be an influence there. Um, And yeah, Uh, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, Um, and while you're turning there, I heard a lot about camp, but I didn't hear one specific mention that I really wanted to point out, and that was, I, I believe it's Micah, right? Yeah, his impression of Gru during skit night. Oh, it's primo, it's primo. That was probably my favorite skit. It was so funny, especially when he was trying to interpret for Donald Duck, and Donald Duck got so mad. It was hilarious. Uh, but, yeah, the preaching was very good. It was about uh, following God's will and staying in that happiest place on Earth worth of being in God's will and following that roadmap. And it was very beneficial to Autumn and I as well. And, uh, you know, kind of just like where you are in the roadmap and going further and seeing what the next steps are and different things like that. But if you're in your Bibles and... Romans chapter 7, we're going to go ahead and begin in verse 14. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but the, but sin that dwelleth in me. Let's go ahead and pray real quick uh, before I begin the message. Um, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to preach. Um, please help me, give me the words to say that you would only have me say what you would want me to say and that you would have the people's hearts open and that uh, it would be a blessing to them and um, uh, that uh, uh, we would be able to all benefit from this message and uh, grow from it. Help us to have a good rest of the night. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I forgot to mention as well, uh, I apologize for my appearance. I don't always look like a lake monster. Uh, my face during camp uh, I had a root canal years ago and it failed at camp and I really didn't want to leave camp which I probably should have but I let it go and my face was way more swollen than this and so I finally had to leave and go to the hospital and they removed the tooth and drained my face I know really gross uh, but it is a lot better than it was now and this is not normally how I look so if, if I look weird to you yes I do look weird okay this is not how I normally look um, But this message uh, is actually, I was thinking uh, before I went to camp, what was something I could kind of share with the teenagers, uh, some lessons that I've learned uh, that would probably benefit them. But I believe this message could benefit everyone here, no matter at any point in their walk, in uh, their Christian walk. Um, And so uh, I guess I'll start it off by saying this, when you're making decisions at camp, here is the sad reality of those decisions. You're going to fail. A lot. It's probably gonna be very soon. And it's like, are you serious? Like, we just got off this high of camp. Are you, why are you bombing us out, you know? Um, but that was that's the reality that I had to accept, and that's kind of what the message is about. Whenever I went to camp, testimony night, the bonfire night, which was on Thursday night, because Brother Roger had a, a very set system, and you kind of kind of saw how it was this week. That was what I was used to, like, consistently. Like, bonfire night was always Thursday night, and that's when everyone would share their testimonies. And I always hated bonfire night, because I, there were people that would get up, and they would be like, you know, I made this decision for God, and I'm just, they're all worked up, and they're crying, and all these emotions, and it's like, oh, all these emotional decisions, and then the week after camp, boom, they're back to their old ways. They don't care, you know, and I thought, oh, what fakers, you know, but myself, I was also making the same exact decision every single year at camp, and I feel like this passage deals with that, and I didn't really – uh deal with this passage or learn more about this passage until I made it to Bible college but I'll get in more into that later but we see this passage we find first point number 1 uh Paul's dilemma and so we can kind of see that Paul is describing to uh uh the readers that you know he is dealing with things he's like I am carnal I am sold under sin and he's he's um to, to simplify it, he's saying, all the bad things, that's what I do. And I don't want to do them, but I still do them. All the good things that I want to do, I, I don't even try. I can't even achieve those things. Even though I want to do them, it, it's not happening. you know. So he's like, yeah, I'm miserable, because I'm like, I'm doing all the things I don't want to do, and all the things I do want to do, I don't do. And you know um, the best way uh, Paul describes this, he calls it a war within his flesh. You know, he's, he has a war within his members, you know, a fighting between the flesh and the Holy Spirit. And I, I think the best way to describe this is like a tug of war, you know, being pulled back and forth, back and forth, like, oh, I want to follow God. No, 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 I really want to do what I want to do, you know, and your flesh is just so strong sometimes, you right? know, it's like, but it feels so good, I want to do this thing. And he's like, I'm always leaning more to the flesh than I actually want to, um, and uh, he he complains that he, his flesh wins way more times than he wants. And I'm sure that many of us can relate to that. Maybe not, you know. Maybe you don't relate to the flesh winning more times than you want. Um, that prob- probably is the case for most of us. But I definitely believe. That everyone can relate to that struggle, at least, of fighting between the flesh and fighting between the spirit. Of just like, you want to serve God, you want to do what's right, but the flesh is just so strong sometimes. And your desires are like, oh, they, they fight against you. Um, and uh, I believe we can relate to that struggle. Paul's dilemma is our dilemma. you know. And, and when I read this the first time, I was like, oh. I thought I was just a horrible person. But I guess Paul, he deals with this too. You know, people uh, equate him to like being one of the greatest Christians out there. And he's like, you know, I'm constantly struggling here. He's like, I'm on the struggle bus like full time. And I'm like, oh, that makes me feel so much better, you know. Um, But then uh, we can kind of see that in verse, uh, you know, 19 through 25, that he talks about um, now that he's saved, uh, it says uh, in verse 19 onward, and we're going to go back to verse 18 later, but it says, uh, For the good that, what I, that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I, then, I, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am. So you see that misery right there. Uh, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So even though he's saved and he's no longer captive to that sin, he still deals with fighting against that sin. And he's like, it's no longer me that's doing this. It's the sin that's within me, you know. And he's no longer captive anymore. It's, it's the fleshly body that he's stuck in. And that's, um, and, and we'll get more into that a little bit later. Uh, but uh, he, he deals with these different things. But then we go to verse 18, and we see Paul's desire but inability. And that's point number two. Paul's desire but inability. Um, And this is a very important aspect of Paul's dilemma. We see in verse 18, it says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, his body, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. So he says, I have a desire for God. I have a desire to follow God. And, And you have these campers, they're coming back, they're like, I have a desire to follow God. You heard Talk about, like, I have a desire to read my Bible and pray more. I have a desire to give my life to God, you know? But sometimes our flesh gets in the way. We're, we're still humans, we're still uh, finite. It's going to get in the way. And it's like the, the, the ability to do so, it's not there. I, I'm, I'm struggling to find it. Paul says, He's like, I can't find it. Um, and when he, it's, it's almost like uh, our pastor Giordano back in Texas. He says, like, he, I think he says, like, easy preaching, hard living. You know, it's, like, easier said than done. You know, you can say it all the day, you know, but when it comes to actually doing it, it's like, oh, that's actually hard to do. Um, but the fact is, uh, living out the Christian life is hard, no matter how you look at it. And uh, even more so, it's impossible. You cannot live the Christian life. Unless we go to John 15, verse 5, it says, and this is the passage about, you know, abiding in the vine uh, and Christ being that vine. Um, And I'm going to put my bookmark over by Romans so we can come back to it. But um, John 15, verse 5, it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So outside of Christ, living the Christian life is not achievable. Right. And you, you think, um, I think a lot of Christians, even to, in today's day and age, uh, maybe younger Christians, because I've, I've talked to peers that can also relate to this, Um, that, you know, you think, like, or or people who are outside of the Christian faith are like, oh, there's so many rules, regulations. It's like, that's not for me. I can't do that, you know? And they they get saved, and it's like, now you have to live a completely strict life. And it's like, you have to do A, B, and C, or you're not a good Christian. And um, you just need God for salvation, and then you're on your own, you know? But that's not the case. We need to be relying on Christ. We need to be abiding in him. he says, when we abide in him, we bring forth much fruit. And that fruit doesn't just include, like, witnessing and seeing others come to Christ. It includes, you know, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, living the uh, right Christian life. Um, And if we don't have Christ, if we're not abiding with him, we will always fail. Because we're doing it in our own power. We're doing it in our flesh. And thats it's just not going to work. It's its like um, trying to run a car on soda. You know, it's just, you need gas. That's the only thing it runs on. <laughs> if you do anything else, it's going to break. You know, your Christian life, it needs Christ. Or else, it's, it's not going to work. Um, and so, we must rely on God uh, to uh, uh, rely on God through the Holy Spirit to live out anything remotely spiritual. Uh, if you if you turn over to uh, Galatians chapter three, and I, I, I didn't know this notice this verse until I was like doing doing my devotions like um, I don't know like a couple like a year ago or something like that. But I was like, oh, that's the verse that that's like nails it on the head. It says uh, in Galatians 3.3, 3, it says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you, need not, are you now made perfect by the flesh? And it's so uh, he's, uh, uh, they're talking about like, um, you started off salvation with the spirit. You started off with Christ. And now you think you're just gonna make it on your own? He's like, what are, what are you, stupid? Like, come on, that makes no sense you know and the way i look about look at it is uh, the the same amount of faith and dependence on god that was required at salvation is required throughout your entire christian life like you need to trust god you need to depend on him and say god i can't and that's that's the whole point of the christian life is depending on god salvation is like god i can't make it to heaven there's no way you, you need to accept that. You need to not rely on your works and say, like, God, that doesn't get me to heaven. I can't rely on religion, all these different things. It's like, God, you need to pay the price for me. But we need to realize that as well when coming to the Christian life of, God, I, I, can't, even, I can't even do this right. I can't be loving. I can't be joyful. I need your help. You're the one who gives me all of these things that, you know, benefit, benefit us. Um, and, you know, honestly, that's how you win that inward war, uh, the war that Paul was talking about of fighting between the spirit and the flesh. You need to be able to submit to the spirit, and that, that's, that takes work. It's, it's not easy, you know, submitting, actually giving it up and saying, like, God, you take care of it. And I think that's what, you know, the armor of God is all about, is just depending on God and saying, like, oh... This aspect of God, this aspect of God, like the breastplate of righteousness. It's like, our righteousness is his filthy rags. Where does that righteousness come from, that breastplate of righteousness? It obviously has to be Christ's righteousness that we're putting on to prepare to fight against Satan. Um, And we need to uh, remember that, that um, especially these teenagers, after they made these decisions... You have these desires, and that's great, you know, but you need to remember that you need to rely on God to fulfill those desires. Uh, and, you know, uh, the one um, teenager I talked about, you know, uh, wanting to read his Bible more. As a teenager, I never read my Bible, and I never thought it was important. And I went to Bible college, and I, that was kind of um, what I was going there for, was to grow closer to God. And I remember sitting there my freshman year, like near Christmas break, I still hadn't read my Bible. I was like, what am I doing here if I'm not actually doing what I came here to do? So I forced myself to read the Bible. And, you know, some days it was very hard. But, you know, abiding in Christ is that same way of reading your Bible and praying. That's how you abide in Christ. And it goes further on in John chapter 15, that it's like, if my words abide in you, um, reading your Bible, and you can ask anything you want, that's praying, you know, that's how you abide in Christ, and that's what fills you with the Spirit, is reading your Bible and praying every day, and, you know, there there were some days, where I started off reading Psalms, and that was, like, the perfect book to start off with, because of that inward struggle and feeling like, oh, I can't do this, this is hard, there was so much encouragement in the book of Psalms of, like, you know, David dealt with these things as well, you know, he was honest before God. Um, but that's how you win the war. Now, we can depend on Christ as much as we can, but there's also the failure. And that's point number three, the failure. Um, we're still humans. I am trying my best, and I've, I've learned this principle, to try to depend on God every single day. Does that mean I depend on God every single day? No. Does that mean that I always read my Bible every day? No. Do I still make an effort? Yes. Do I still grow? Have I grown much more than from where I was? Absolutely. But there's still days that I fail. You know, I have struggles, you know, and I'm, I'm nowhere near perfect. And I don't think anybody else in this auditorium can raise their hand and say, you know, I've achieved perfection. You know, I've made it. You know, so... We're humans. We're going to fail. So how do we deal with that failure? And this was kind of the verse that I went back to many times. Um, And it's uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. Um, When I would, while I was going through my walk, this was the verse that I would remember in my mind whenever I messed up, and it would encourage me. And in Proverbs 24... 16 it says um, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again but the wicked shall fall into mischief now even though we have the solution to the war we're still going to fail and um, we're never going to be perfect in our lifetime It's, it's, it's impossible no matter how old you are If you're 99 or one years old, you're never going to make it to perfection in that amount of time. Um, It's just who we are. So this is how we deal with this failure. We see um, a contrast. Uh, First, we see the just man. It's like, for a just man, a guy who is good, a guy who is living right, he falleth seven times. He fails. And, you know, that's that's another verse where it's like whew, I'm glad I'm not the only one. It's like, I I feel like I'm a terrible human being every time I mess up. Um, But it says, importantly, and riseth up again. You know, he doesn't stay down. But then you see the contrast of the wicked shall fall into mischief. You know, he's wallowing in it. He's like, ooh, you know, it's all nice. Imagine, like, I imagine, like, a kid playing in mud. He loves it. You know, he's like, "Yeah, this is great. I love it." You know, he doesn't want to get out of the mud. He doesn't want to get clean or anything like that. But a righteous man, he he falls down and gets dirty. And I, I kind of think of my wife. She's she's constantly like cleaning stuff. You're like, "Oh my goodness, my shirt is like all there's all these little things." And I'm like, "It's fine, it's fine." And she's like, "No, it's not fine. It's just finding all these different things." She's like, "I need to clean." It's like it's gonna get dirty again. But she's she's very adamant about cleaning it and keeping it clean. Um, but the question is. How do we react when we sin? Are we sensitive to it? Do we repent and move forward? <clears throat> or do we ignore it? Just like those um, uh, wicked people. You know, the... the uh, it's, uh, yeah, it says the, the wicked, I believe. Yeah, the wicked shall fall into mischief. Um, or perhaps... Uh, we just shut down because of our sin. And, you know, that's. this was so important to me because uh, Brother Roger was talking about this actually last Sunday uh, uh, morning in Sunday school, and you guys want to know this, so I'll tell you. Um, He was talking about um, how most people react to sin where they just blow it off, they ignore it, you know. But some people, it like eats away at them. And that was me. And he's like, the very few. But I was, it would like, shut me down. And that was, for me, for most, of, most throughout college, and this was a hard lesson for me to learn. Because when I, when I would sin just even once, it would be like my entire day, I would shut down. Like in the sense of like, um, I'd be depressed, I would lay in bed all day, I would just not want to move because I was like, I don't want to do anything. And it wasn't, it wasn't a laziness. It was just like I, I feel so terrible inside. And just even thinking to myself, like, how could God possibly even love me when I constantly over and over and over again just constantly mess up? I try to and try and try. I say, God, this time I'm going to get it right. This time for sure I'm going I'm to be serious about it. I'm going to stick to this commitment that I have. I'm going to change my life around. And then the next day, sin again. And I'd be like, how, how is God not, not upset with me? There has to be like some form of punishment. There's no punishment. It's like, there has to be reconciliation. I don't understand. And I would just sit and just, just pity and, and, and depression and just not be able to deal with it. And finally, I had to learn about how deep God's love is. And, you know, looking at these passages that, you know, um, we shouldn't... Bring ourselves down like that, you know. um, With all these commitments, maybe you made a commitment that you didn't talk about, or or maybe you have a commitment now. You know, obviously we're not at that state state of perfection. Each one of us in this room have a next area to grow, and you know I'm sure that's been difficult to go to, you know. um, But when you're reaching that next level or that area that God has showed you that you need to grow in. When you fail, um, how do you deal with it? You know, uh, Are you um, remembering to get back up you know, and dust yourself off? And, and it's, it's not so much so when I say dust yourself off, I imagine it's like, okay, I'm going to just try harder this time. That's not the solution either because that's how I felt every single time. I got back up, yeah. I, I was depressed for like a day, and it happened like a lot. But I would be like, okay, I'm going to try harder this time. Maybe I'll get the commitment this time. That's not the point. You're supposed to submit to God. You're supposed to repent and say, God, forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to listen again. Let's, let's keep going, you know. It's like, um, and I think uh, uh, they talked about this kind of a couple of times uh, at camp. Um, and I think uh, Brother Jones had a very good example. And I think... Uh, Pastor Rice can definitely relate to this, but he was talking about learning how to play guitar, you know, um, where you have days where it's like your fingers bleed or it hurts, you know, or it's, it's hard to go through these things. Does that mean you stop, you give up? It's like, no, you need to keep going. You're like, okay, next day, let's keep going, you know. And um, for me, it was like it hurt every single time. And just learning... That God loved me enough that he's like, okay, come on, let's go. You know, it's, it's okay. You know, and um, uh, we, we need to learn that even though we fail, that's okay. And, and I'm not meaning in the sense of like your sin is okay, because obviously it's not. But I'm meaning that you're a human trying to become Christ-like. You're going to fail. It's, it's just inevitable. It's, it's a reality, and, you know, God still loves you. God still cares about you. God still died, chose to die on the cross. He knew about those sins that you're gonna, you were going to commit. He knows the sins that you're going to commit tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. He already knows, and he still chose to die for you. He still loves you. Um, and we look, and I think uh, in 1 Corinthians 8, we can, or, yeah, 1 Corinthians 8, the, the next chapter, Um, We can see this encouragement Um, if we head back to our passage. So after Paul gets done talking about this war and like how he constantly makes these mistakes, and he constantly messes up, and he's like, I don't do what I need to do, and I, I mess up all the time, he follows it up with this. He says, There is therefore, he's like, okay, the conclusion is there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So he says, you're striving, you're trying to follow that Christian walk, you're trying to continue to become more and more like Christ. God doesn't condemn you anymore, you're forgiven. There is no, like, ill will where he's like, oh, you know what, that's it. I've had it up to here with you. I've given you this many chances, and you're done, okay? And I feel like some parents, it's like that's how they are. You know, they give you, it's like, okay, one more, one more. And, you know, some parents, that one more is like really 15 more. And then other parents, it's like that one more is like, you better watch it. And I feel like my parents was the one more, it's like, Okay, I'm already getting in trouble. I don't want to make it worse. (laughs) And, you know, God's not like that. You're already saved. He's forgiven you of everything. There's no condemnation there. He knows that you're trying. And he's saying, if you're walking after the Spirit. So if you're actively trying to follow in the Spirit, it's like, yeah, he understands. He's like, good, keep going. You know, I'm there for you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to help you along the way. Um, and uh, the next time that we go and fail on our Christian walk, which could be tomorrow for any of us, maybe most of us, we can look at this verse and have encouragement, or, you know, the Proverbs twenty four sixteen. that's the one I like to think of. Um, we can encourage that, you know, we can keep going. You know, that's Satan's goal, though. Is to keep us down and out, and complacent, and um, a lot of times, Satan. It says it's it's not a physical fight. You know, it's a spiritual fight. It happens within our minds, and God, Satan can get there. And he's like, "Look how awful you are. Look how awful you're being. How could God ever love you? Why don't you just give up? You know, why do you even bother with any of this? You know, I'm sure there were many times that Pastor Rice had trouble on the mission field and there was temptation to just like this is a lot this is too much i can't handle this and that's when he needs to turn to god you know and um when you face that it's like satan is trying to tell you he's trying to get you to quit he's trying to get you to like i was get in that depression and just shut down for a day and you know a lot of times he won and you know it took me a while to learn this um and you know, I, I just encourage the teenagers that if you if you have that, don't give up. Don't quit. Because, you know, God's understanding, He wants to help you grow, He wants to help you get to that happiest place on earth, the, God's will. And, you know, you're gonna you're gonna trip a lot, you're gonna mess up a lot, but it doesn't mean you stop. If I had stopped, I never would have met my beautiful wife who is just I can't, I can't even go into, like, it's indescribable how perfect she is for me and just how, just, if, if you ever have time, because I, I like to ramble a lot, so if, if you ever get me going on something, I'll talk and talk and talk and talk. Uh, but if you ever hear my full story of, like, how I met Autumn, it's just everything involved with that was just so perfect. But if I had given up, I might have left Bible college at that freshman year. At that moment, it's like, why am I here? Might as well just go home. Or, you know, when I was a teenager, it's like, I keep on making that same decision at camp. It's like, you know, and there were times where it was like, I felt that, where I was like, this is just so hard. Am I going to spend my entire life where it's just going to be this difficult? And then even then, I thought of the verse of like, uh, when all those followers of Jesus left um, and Jesus asked his disciples, he's like, are you going to go too? And I thought, like, Paul, he's like, where else are we going to go? I mean, that was kind of like, like, oh, this is so hard. It's like, and it was kind of discouraging at the same time. I was like, where, am I sp- where else am I supposed to go? There's nowhere else better. No one else has a better answer than this, you know? But uh, we can't give up. We can't let Satan get us down and discourage us like that. Um, that's where we need to draw the line. That's where we need to not allow the devil to win. Because... Um, If you're down and out, you may be down and out for good. And that's it's over at that point, you know. And that doesn't mean that there's no repentance like the prodigal son, you know. He probably he was like, okay, I'm just going to go wayward, you know. There's always repentance available as long as we're alive, you know. But you don't want to get to that place where you're just completely just sidelined. But it doesn't matter as... Uh, as much that you sin. What matters most is what you do after you sin. Um, and, you know, Paul dealt with this back and forth through his Christian life. he did do the bad things, not the good things. And he had the desire to do the good things, but the bad things just... Uh, he lacked the ability to do so. Um, and just like the war with Paul, we must remember to always get back up and to continue to serve God. Um, and we can be encouraged in the fact that God no longer condemns us uh, and that he still loves us and he understands and he's like, I see what you're going through. I want you to continue going. And, you know, it, it's just like when you're growing up, there's going to be growing pains. Um, and... uh, <clears throat> uh in, in conclusion, maybe you uh, you went to camp and made a decision, or ever made a decision. It's very likely uh, that you're going to fail. Do you give up, or do you grow from it? Perhaps you see those campers uh, coming back from camp, and you hear those commitments, and this is important just as well. Maybe you're 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 a mother or a father of those teenagers um, or you're or just a church member that you know has been praying for that teenager and you see them fail or you see another Christian fail um, do you sorry one second um, do you say when you see them fail do you say you know I knew they didn't have it in them or I knew they weren't serious about God do you think that do you say that to them you're like wow what a discouragement. Or do you go and encourage them? Do you go and say, like, okay, here's what I've been through. I know I've been in your shoes. You know, I know this is not easy. And you kind of help them. And that, that's the purpose of church, really, is to encourage one another and to help each other grow. So um, do you, how are you responding to others when they fail uh, in their Christian walk? Have you resigned yourself to where you are in your Christian life? Maybe you're at a certain point and you're like, okay, this is the peak. I can't make it any farther. Have you resigned? It's like, this is it. Or you continue back where that point where God showed you something and you continue to grow and you pick up where you left off. <clears throat> I hope that uh, that would be an encouragement to you or you guys will consider that not just, just from camp, but going on forward on like that was something I had to learn not from camp from college and that was my own Christian life that I had to learn every single day Um, but hopefully uh, you guys can use it and it was encouragement to you so I'm going to go ahead and everyone please bow your heads and close your eyes and I'll ask Pastor Rice to come up
1: so we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed You know, it doesn't matter if you're came back from camp, maybe you're in college, maybe you're in your career, maybe you're in your retirement. Whatever stage it is that you are in life, we mess up. And like he said, we ought not quit, we ought not throw in the towel, don't be discouraged. But as the Apostle Paul said in Philippians, he said, I press towards the mark to the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. We need to keep pressing forward. Father, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can. God, I pray that you'd help us. God, not to be discouraged. Help us not to be happy with our flesh, but help us not to be discouraged or depressed about where we're at in our life, But God, help us to strive to go forward, to get our mistakes right, and to continue forward for your honor and for your glory. God, thank you for the message, the clarity of it. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every heart as only you can, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, as the... Piano begins to play. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you're frustrated by something in your life. Maybe you want to ask God to help you with something in your life. Maybe you just want to come and pray for the teenagers that have made decisions at camp this week or for a friend or somebody else. The altar's open. We always encourage you to do business with God, take time to pray.